Welcome to Team Futurism. Today, we're going to be talking about the Roald Dahl fiasco that took over the internet about a week ago. And this was a situation where Random House decided to release a lot of the classic Roald Dahl uh, children's books, like James and the Giant Peach and Matilda and others, uh, with the text pretty heavily edited. You know, basically, sensitivity readers decided that, you know, he, he was too offensive in certain regards for modern audiences. And so words like fat, ugly, and crazy were completely edited out to be more, you know, just like kind, I guess. Um, and there was a massive pushback where Random House, you know, only a couple of days later decided that, that they were going to release everything um, edited, but also in another version of the classic texts. And this kind of like made everyone happy again. But at the same time, I think that this is a really important topic because it's, you know, what does the future of literature look like if there is this, this you know, feeling, this sensation at some level, uh, you know, in the publishing houses that, that everything is too scandalous and we need to edit everything down? My, my big top level question here is what does the future of you know, literature look like with this as the current environment. I do want to say, you know, a couple of couple of pieces here to pull out before we we really jump into the conversation. Um, Suzanne Nossel, the CEO of Pan America, wrote on Twitter that she and other human rights organizations were alarmed by the changes, which is interesting. This is a quote from her. Literature is meant to be surprising and provocative. That's part of its potency. By setting out yeah. to remove any reference that might cause offense, you dilute the power of storytelling. I think that was a good quote. Uh, just to give voice to the other side here, the uh, this this is a quote. Uh, <laughs> kind of this is from I think the Daily Telegraph. Speaking for the speaking for the cuck libs out there, are you? Yes. <laughs> speaking for the cuck libs, exactly. Um, I can't remember exactly who wrote this, but someone like speaking on behalf of uh, that side, and this was this was from Today.com. Um, words matter. The wonderful words of Roald Dahl can transport you to different worlds and introduce you to the most marvelous characters. This book was written many years ago, and so we regularly review the language to ensure that it can continue to be enjoyed by all today. So, I don't know. Nothing about that literally calls to me at all. But uh, let me just toss it to you, Devin. What are your thoughts on this whole matter? Holy shit, man. I... Uh... I had so many feelings as you were just in, in the preamble. I, um, I guess I, my, my, my brain gravitates to the first thing is what happened to uh, liberal people where it was, I mean, we literally have had this complete polar shift where in the 90s and early 2000s, Republicans were like rap music and violent video games yeah. are, are killing our country. And we can't allow our children to consume this stuff. And I feel like the liberal response was like, hey, 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 free speech, man. And now we're in this post-pandemic period where we see liberalism blossoming into this strange, uh, I don't even know what to call it. It, 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 is, it is bizarre to me that you now see folks on the left calling for basically the censorship of speech uh in in kind of a myriad of ways and also just loving the idea of government control and i think it's a really interesting i you know i i'll, I'll peel back from the political element into like as an artist it it upsets me because 
if you are reading this book to a child or a child is reading this book, you have to have a sense of history and context. We do that with yeah. everything. That is that is fundamental to the idea of literature. As soon as you get past 20 years ago into any classical literature, any English teacher worth their salt is going to explain to you that you have to view these things in the historical context in which they're set. And that is a really challenging mental exercise for a child and for adults. That is really hard to do, to put yourself in a time period where certain things were okay and certain things were not okay. But where does this go? Then are we, you know, one of the examples was Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory. Uh, Willy Wonka, you know, or uh, yeah, yeah, Willy Wonka says, um, the line is like, I, I took every Oompa Loompa, you know, every man, woman, and child from the Oompa Loompa tribe, and I brought them here. And it's dark, right? It's, it's a dark, contextually, it's dark. If you think about it for more than a beat, it's dark. If you gloss right over it, maybe you don't think about it. Mm -hmm. And they want to change, they wanted to change it to all of the Oompa Loompas came here of their own free will. And I'm thinking like, and then the question that the article raises is then, well, then, then, then do we have to add an addendum to the book of how, well, how are these people getting paid? And it's like, no, because it's, it's, it's slavery. There is a yeah. really dark aspect to all of these books. They're, they're in, and Roald Dahl, a terrible person, like kind of like known to history as a racist and a bigot and not a person that is held in high regard somebody that in a certain sense, you have to separate their personality from their art and contextualize things in the time that they're written and explain the difficult parts of the book to children, right? Like if, if, you're, if your concern is that children are gonna be reading these books and that they're going to be troubled by what's going on, well, then it shouldn't be an unsupervised read. You should be able to be there for them to explain if, if we don't call people fat anymore and we, and you want to and the the substitution is enormous for fat because fat is a slur in the modern time. I won't even get into my own opinions on that. If you need a child to know that, then you need to be the person that explains that to them because you can't sanitize history to, it, it, it eliminates the teachable moment. I think that's at the core for me. It's, and, I'll, and I'll kind of rest my point there is that when you sanitize historical fiction and, and fiction and you, you, you remove the teachable moment, there is no lesson there. The, the lesson then is a very strange 1984 energy where the lesson is whatever is real today is what's always been real. And that's just not how we learn. You, What's next? Are we gonna go back to books about slavery and we're gonna start sanitizing the way that we talk about slavery, historical fiction that has to deal with you know, enslaved people? That's really fucking uncomfortable to read. And we don't have any connection to that in the modern day in, in an emotional way because we don't see that. Uh, in the United States in the way that it's being represented, but are we going to go back and we're going to change the language around that because it makes people uncomfortable to read? That's absurd. Yeah, I was really heartened just by the response from yes. people ac across the Twitterverse. And I mean, these are all like lefty people too, who are like, I mean, right. uh, Liv Bory, who's kind of a futurist, and I, I like her. Uh, she says, can't wait for the new sensitivity edited Shakespeare. 
And I mean, clearly we're talking, well, doll, we're talking about children's books, but I mean, my God, like go back and read any literature, whether children's books or or otherwise, very dark, very insensitive and very human and rich and glorious. And there's, there's so much like richness that totally just gets removed the second you start having like lame-o people with like, you know, BAs in literature from Brown University going through here and like, ooh, someone might be offended by this. Like, imagine just like putting yourself in that mentality. This is this is the thing. It would almost be fun to do to like have that the job. And and just to like like imagine, oh my God, what could in the second you start doing that, you could literally be a, like imagine someone being offended by anything Anything. like you could literally there is a swath of people who are terrified of the idea of eating chocolate right so you could you could have to take away the whole entire book because some people don't like are maybe they're allergic to chocolate right maybe they had a health or weight problem because they ate too much chocolate when they were younger maybe they're currently going through that because they love you know chocolate cupcakes right right if you put yourself this mentality and I kind of hate slippery slope arguments, but like, which is what this is. But I right. mean, just like <laughs> just owning this mentality for a second, it's it's kind of fun to do, to pretend to be this person because everything yeah. is hilariously offensive. The second you, right. you start like, like having this mentality. Uh, one more quote I want to read. Um, this is Ricky Darvey's wrote on Twitter. Um, he has posted a picture of himself and he's, he's like this. And he says, this is me pondering whether they'll change any of the words I've used in my work after I'm dead to spare <laughs> those who are fragile and easily offended. Words like fat and ugly and cunt and fuck and fat, ugly, greedy, pathetic, little stupid fucking cunt, stuff like that. <laughs> I think that, you know, a little, you know, just like side note here is that the people with the biggest personalities who are in fact the people who shape our culture yeah none of them are sanitized people they they just like can't be sanitized like think about Iggy Pop think about I mean Nick Cave name anybody who like is a culture shaper of a person maybe not actors because they're all just like lame people but like aside (laughs) from actors um the people who shape our culture the big personalities none of them are safe ish folks they, they they're all over the top and we need people to create culture to, to drive our, our you know culture forward and you know you don't want to silence these folks they can't be silenced i would say uh like ricky jarvis is a great example of that i one more note here is that like i'm kind of generally okay with like shielding kids of a certain age from anything that's too raunchy Mm-hmm. But there already is a massive industry that already does this. If you, you know, buy yeah. children's books, which I do regularly because I have a young child, um, they all very often are um, uh, books that are classics that are completely rewritten with colorful pictures and just little snippets of dialogue. And so, for example, we have a, a Wizard of Oz book um, where uh, Dorothy is a little cute black girl, right? Um, it's yeah. kind of like. But that's fine. Like, I have no problem with that. And it's rewritten to be like just the highlights. And it's it's not, you know, scary at all or, or anything. And it, But it gets the gist of the story and Dorothy finds her way home. It's very, very nice and sweet. Guess what? That's a massive industry. Look at Disney. Yeah. Look, I mean, like, we have the sanitized world. If you're worried about right. your kid reading the word fat and Roald Dahl, don't, don't have them read Roald Dahl, you know? That's, that's yeah. fine. Roald Dahl, incidentally, also wrote a bunch of, like, like, adult sex books types of things super funny super entertaining definitely recommend them like my uncle oswald is one um 
I, I, I got Landon Roald Dahl a couple years ago, read like all of his stuff. Uh, he's just a funny, clever dude. And yeah, a terrible person. Guess what? So it's like basically everybody, especially loudmouths yeah, shaping culture. Certain- yeah, of a certain era too, you know. A certain like, era, exactly. Yeah. God, go back like fifty years, and these guys were wilding out, man. <laughs> you know what right. I'm saying? Like, it's pretty hard to find a blameless gentleman once you start reaching far enough back into the into the American past. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Just a, like there's a simple principle here too, just to really make the whole thing simple. It's just like just just don't. This goes to people on the left and the right. Just like don't edit books, don't touch books. There, there's something just yeah, kind of yeah. sacred about the written word. And the second you start like having caveats to that, it's not, it's no good. It's just not good at that. It's such a very, very, very simple principle and everyone should agree to it because like, I, like you said, I remember when the, uh, the conservatives were, were, you know, bleeping out every other word and unwrap albums, that sort of yeah. thing. Hey, that wasn't cool either, you know, and this isn't cool. So it's, we can't go forward with that because imagine if we did go forward with this and we let the left get away with this, then the right would complain and they would get, get away with it. All of a sudden, everything right. sucks and is boring and is like just made for Sunday school and that's not fun or anything. <laughs> yeah, I find it really strange that as we move into the future, this idea of supervision is becoming more of a powerful and palatable idea in our culture. And it's been, and it's been served up to us from the left and the right. But this idea that we need to be supervised and that people aren't smart enough to make their own decisions, and especially that uh, people aren't smart enough to parent their children correctly, and so we need to supervise what children are, are understanding and learning. And to, in a weird way, that's partially true. There is a lot of people out there that shouldn't have had kids, and they don't give a fuck about what their kids know and how their kids are being educated, which sucks. It also... You, there's, you can't fix it that way. You can't supervise everything that everyone is consuming. You can put a, a higher societal onus and burden on parents to parent their fucking children. That, that is, to me, at the core of so many of these things. The trans issue, you know, the don't say gay bill, a lot of this stuff is targeted towards children. And it's like, if you don't want your kid to go to a, uh, to a trans uh, story time hour, that's a really easy thing to avoid. They're not, they're not just... They're not setting up circus tents on every street corner and trying to read your kids' books in drag. You know, like these are these are small contained events. And if you have a hard time supervising your child, then the government can't step in for you. Society, culture can't step in for you. And furthermore, if you have a hard time supervising your own behaviors and your own habits when it comes to what you're looking for in, in literature or on the internet, or that's a you problem. That's a personal problem. And I do find that there is, you know, as, as social mores are beginning to fragment, into subcultures and we don't have a cohesive sense of societal value it is posing a lot of challenging uh it is it is creating an uh, an onus for people to be thinking more critically about their choices you can't just kind of float through this cultural soup and there's bumpers on the on the bowling alley and, and there's there's no bumpers anymore. You can just bam, slam the gutter and not hit a single pin on your way down. And that's that's challenging. That's, that's I guess to uh, challenging. 
to channel a, a conservative view here, just to put the view on the table. I think that there is a difference between books being published and not versus uh, entertainment appearing at a public school or a public library, because people do feel like, you know, it's not just like I don't want my kids seeing like this, this kind of made for adult entertainment, but like marketed towards children thing, but like my tax dollars funding that. So I am paying for that person to show up at that library and, and do this thing. I think that that's, I think that there's a little bit of an argument there. I actually kind of get that. Um, I'm kind of with you that I also don't care. And it's not the biggest deal in the world, but it's, it's also like, you know, I'm a little bit, you know, sketched out by people like doing adult entertainment for children, because like you see these things of like, like, uh, conservatives bringing their children to Hooters, you know, that's like the, the counter example. Yeah. That's probably not great either, but like Hooters is also a private establishment. No one, no one's tax dollars are paying for that Hooters. <laughs> this conversation gets get so the, goofy, think, but yeah. Anytime you get into the argument of my tax dollars, like you're really, you're really get, you just threw, you threw yourself in the deep water because you have no idea where your tax dollars go. Right. Like it's no, like, like when, I, you pick a, when you pick a single issue to to be like, well, if my tax dollars are going to that, I'm like, yeah, but your tax dollars are also going to absurd places. Your, your tax dollars are funding insane atrocities throughout the world and also funding crazy shit happening in your own country. And if you want to cherry pick that one thing that you're upset about your tax dollars going to, I'm like, I just in that specific argument, I, I really struggle to like validate that argument <laughs> no like I, I broadly agree with that but I, I also think that i kind of want people to to really channel that energy where they're like i don't mm. want my tax dollars going to this or oh, sure. that brings people out to vote and it actually gets society yeah. to change in good ways because we have too many dumb dumbs who don't think about that and in, in the context of i don't like that happening that war overseas or whatever it is and my tax dollars are technically funding that, so I'm going to vote against it. I think that yeah. that's good. I think that that's a thing that is is can be a motivator. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I uh, I feel you. I think that there's just a lot. I think that you know what the big the big rebuttal to the censorship push in the '90s and the early 2000s was. But they boiled it down really simple. If you don't like the if you don't like what's on the radio, change the channel. Oh my God, I exactly. Think, no, I, think, I, I do I that, completely agree with this. That has to be so core to yeah. our understanding of culture writ large is if there is something that you do not like about the way that something is unfolding culturally, whether it's in your town or in the culture at large, you have a million ways to escape that. You can literally be an agoraphobic shut-in. You could not consume a single thing if you don't want to. And if you are getting outraged about something that is not impinging upon your personal freedoms, you're doing that recreationally. You have no, you have no real footing to be outraged about anything unless somebody is showing up to your door and stuffing it down your throat. And nobody's doing that. You know, you have to just be in a, you have to be at your own tempo and you have to understand that if something is bothering you, you can avoid it and you don't need to fight. You don't need to fight it in a cultural sense. Can I, can I ask? Cause I, I, I don't know. Yeah. Did, did anybody ask for this edited roll doll thing? Did anybody in the culture or cause I have seen that there was an article like I, I skimmed the other day about how this wasn't done by sensitive sensitivity readers. This was done by them as a marketing ploy to just sell more books probably there's a lot of truth to that but like i just yeah, can't imagine but... who 
is there anybody like how how quote left do you have to be to to be reading Roald Dahl and be like, oh, we need to get the publisher to publish an edited like literally who's is there anybody who who was desperate for that i mean it makes me think that there's like like the same out of touch old white dudes that are like running like major financial institutions that are probably like republicans have their analogs in like publishing houses where there's like the same joe biden ass like out of touch old white dudes that are like well, liberal culture is moving so fast and we need to harness the wind of this moment, you know? It's yes. Like, everybody's like, no, fucking stop, just die, you know? Like, you can't even understand what's happening anymore. You're, like, grasping at these fragments of straws and trying to construct something meaningful out of it. But, I don't know, maybe it's just the sluts of, the, of, of, of capitalism, too, where they're just, you know, they see, they see the cultural moment and they're like, well, everything is, you know, this is the way that culture is moving. We're trying to be really sensitive to everybody that's... Okay, let me, let, me just, let me just say one thing, too, because I think I haven't said this and I think this bears being said. Fat shaming is stupid. And a lot of the things that they're doing at heart, I get the intent of it. Maybe not their intent, but the kind of the uh, the marketed intent, which is to spare people who are of differing abilities and different. We do have to acknowledge that is something that we struggled with forever as a culture, that we yeah. have been really bad about shaming fat people, shaming people that are neurodivergent, shaming people that have disabilities. We really have struggled with that. And people of color, holy shit, you know, racism, bigotry, women. I mean, good Lord, you know, we've really, we've run a shameful gamut of making people feel like shit for the people that they are. That, there is a weird, there is some space where that, where those two ideas meet, where we do need to be just fucking cool to people. And we also need to have, be able to have fun with identity too. We need to be able to, it still needs to be a place where comedians and authors and artists can play and say fat, you know what I'm saying? And it's not something, and it's like, yeah, maybe there's a couple of people who are hypersensitized. And I think that ends up, that's your job. You know, if, if there's something weird with you, the coolest people on earth are the people that are like, yeah, this is like this weird thing about me and this is who I am and I love yeah. it. You know, not everybody can get there. Uh, but that that should be the trajectory. Like my favorite comedian, Stavros Halkius, he's like a fat guy, half bald, you know, and he's like, loves it, just leans way into it. One of the biggest comedians in the world right now. And a big part of his act is just being like, yeah, I'm this fucking fat, balding guy. And I'm like, the life of the party, I'm awesome, you know? And, and so we can't bend over backwards for hypersensitive people. But we do as a culture need to be cool to people in general, you know. My final thought, here's the final thought. And I've, I've been thinking about this for a long time because this issue of hypersensitivity has been an issue for at least a decade now. Is that it's, it's your job to not, it's your job to resolve the things that you're triggered by. Yeah. It's not society's job to resolve the things you're triggered by. However, People should be cool to you. People should, you should bend over a little bit for people who are struggling with something. 
but this is the United States and it's not your responsibility to do that. And that's like where it all comes down to for me. You're a nice person if you do that, but this country is full of assholes and the world is full of assholes. And it's not their job to be not assholes. That's their personal journey. So it's like, you know, if you, if you misgender somebody, it's not a crime and it shouldn't be regulated in a, in a way that's litigious or legal. You shouldn't have to be respected by people because that's just not realistic, but you're an asshole if you don't. And we should, and you should be shamed for that. If you're mean to people and shitty to people, there should be an amount of societal pressure on you to say, Hey, you should be cool to people, but it shouldn't be against the law. Yeah, I guess my final thought, actually pretty similar, is that I'm kind of in, in favor of language changing. I'm in favor of culture changing. It just does whether anybody likes it or not. So we have to get used Same. to that and accept that. Yep. But how do you know and appreciate that your culture has changed if you've gone back and edited all the books, mm. you know, and Preach, all the movies really. and everything? Mm-hmm. We'll, we'll have no frame of reference. We'll literally have to escape, like learn other languages and escape our, our cultural bubble, which is also a good thing. But like, like we need to know where we've come from so that we can have some vision for yes. where we should go. And I think that uh, this whole, you know, just sensitivity readers in general is not great uh for you know culture and and literature and readers and and all of us um so i think that it is kind of you know it's it's bodes well that this you know met so much pushback and hopefully that just kind of continues i think that it will but you know we we have talked about the current young generations are just more sensitive than we've ever known before so maybe 50 years from now like you won't be able to get your hands on a on a rolled doll copy, so I don't know. Save, <laughs> save your rolled doll, I guess. <laughs> I don't know. I've got hope. I think things will balance out. We're just in a weird contact zone right now. Just now coming to a period where people are starting to say, "Wait a minute, you can't do that." And anytime there's a correction, there's an overcorrection. Every fucking time. Every time. You're totally Every right. Every time. And so it's it's okay. You know, it's it's not. It, we don't want to let it be stay overcorrected we need to rein it back in but there there is some you got to have some sense of of uh, of kind of historical ebb and flow when it comes to things like this where it's like yeah we're just now realizing or i mean the important the powers that be are just now realizing and society as a whole is beginning to levy its weight on people that are doing mean and bad things to other people and we just gotta you know we're going to be in the soup for a minute. We got to figure out what we need and what, what, what to take and what to leave. And I think going forward, it's going to balance out. We'll, we'll be all right. Absolutely. Well said. Hey, well, till next time, Devin. Uh, adios, Peter. All right. I'll Bye. see you soon.